This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The furor continues. As you heard in Bob's News, we saw another rowdy question period. While over at City Hall, an emergency meeting is still in progress. Though most people believe that at this point, Toronto is out of options on fighting the Ford government on the reduction of City Council. Now, after the show yesterday, we saw the NDP opposition ejected from the legislature and unable to vote after thumping their desks in protest. Okay, well, just in case you haven't heard enough noise coming from the legislature. Meanwhile, none of the Conservatives broke ranks, even though it was a free vote. The first reading passed easily. And uh, here's something that I was actually wrong on. I thought that the councillors who had not registered to run in the 25 ward iteration of the election would be shut out. But apparently they will have two days after the bill passes to do that. I hope to get some clarity on all of this stuff uh, during our hour. I think that uh, inside that meeting at City Hall, people are getting some information on the new boundaries and that kind of thing. And I want to hear from you. Uh, We could not get to all of our calls the last few days. Uh, What do you make of the way this is all unfolding? The numbers to call 416-360-0740. Uh, Toll-free 1-866-744-740. It's obviously very chaotic for the candidates. So let us begin with Shelley Carroll, who is running for councillor in Ward 3, or what was Ward 3. Hi, Shelley. Good afternoon, Libby. What is your take on all of this? Well, I think you can tell if you you get online and watch City Council today... um, we really are in that place now where we're no longer arguing about should it be 25 or 47. We're really demonstrating and we're really fully just debating whether or not you can interfere with an election once it's started. And that's really the outcome that, that, that's going to come out of this whole debacle uh, for the whole nation. Uh, yes, provinces have control over municipalities. In Ontario, you're completely a creature of the province. But what is an election? Is an election a legal entity of its very own? This election started May 1st. And so whether you think Doug Ford is right about needing a smaller council or we should stick with the, the map created by the community and, the, and the, the city council of Toronto, the election being interfered with has brought us to the mess we're in today. So 
I think what you're going to find at the end of the day is is across this country, people looking at changing the parameters around elections to say, if a clerk in a city has set up a fair election and that fair election is underway, it's an entity of its own and no one can interfere with it. Uh, what have you been finding at the door? Uh, I'm assuming you've been going door to door. Twice a day, every day. <laughs> okay, so what have b- people been saying about this at the door in your ward? Well, they're they're really universal in the opinion that it's not about uh, the number of wards. It's about whether or not it should be so easy to mess with an election. People have faith in clerks and staff members who are not elected officials. They're professionals of what they do. They, they have generally in the past felt they are going to the polls in a well-run and fair elected election process. And, and now they're wondering uh, uh, what's going on and if, it, if that's even possible. They want to know the date. They want to know where do I stand? What ward am I in? Um, can will will you still be here if the decision is different tomorrow? And what's sad about that is we're not talking about what should be the ballot issues in the city of Toronto right now: housing, transit, affordability. And do you know uh, where you will the, your boundaries and any of that? Well, I'm luckier than most because the the ward that I have represented for almost 15 years now, and where I hope to be back for for another term, uh, is is about is almost 70% of the newly drawn ward because I'm in a community that has grown because of the uh, the growth in transit infrastructure it's grown in numbers of of uh, houses and families and so uh I make up about 70% and I will add a little more to that to become the 120,000 person uh, award that that the the bill 31 and bill 5 would have created but that still creates for people a huge change in how they will interact with their counselor they know that it creates a huge change in how the counselor will be accountable for their tax dollars they know that that a major reorganization will be necessary and under very um, uh, time crunch circumstances that's work we will have to do the day after the election Okay, Shelley, hang on. I am going to bring in Peter Tabbins. He's an NDP MPP for Toronto Danforth and energy critic. Hello, Peter. Hey, Libby. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm well. Hello there, Shelley. Hi, Peter. So uh, yesterday you had this protest, uh, and even today uh, the legislature is pretty rowdy. Is that the right way to go, Peter? Well, I think that people expected us to be outspoken in opposing this anti-democratic action on the part of Doug Ford. Uh, and uh, frankly, as well, there were a lot of citizens in the galleries yesterday, seniors who were led away in handcuffs, um, who we felt that we needed to be supportive of. People in Toronto are getting a raw deal. People in Ontario should understand this is a government that doesn't particularly care about the Constitution, the Charter, or the law. They just want to do what they want to do. And I, I think it was they, important and, for us and yesterday what they to make ins- a lot of noise. And, and what they incidentally have a, a right to do. But, but again, is it setting a good example no, to no, thump no, on your things, desk? Maybe two things. Yeah. One, they have a right to change the laws regarding municipalities. No question. Um, I may disagree with the way they do it, but they have that right. They don't have the right to violate the Charter. 
And that's another matter. They don't have the right to violate our democratic freedoms in this society. And the judge found that they had violated them and threw out what they'd done. Don't, don't ever think, Libby, that governments can't do things that are illegal, because they do. And when they do things that are illegal, the citizenry, the people of this province, have the right to challenge them in court and have that corrected. And that's what's going on. The, the right but, of the yeah, but, to rewrite the law is not in question. But, uh, you know, the, they have the right to invoke uh, the notwithstanding clause. It's very unprecedented, but uh, there you go. Oh, no, they have the legal right to do it. Is it the right thing to do? Oh, no, yeah. absolutely not. It's the wrong thing to do. It, it cheapens, it trivializes that clause. I don't like the clause, but it's there. Um, but most people, including former Premier Bill Davis, including former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, including former head of the Tory party in Canada, Peter McKay, all said this was the wrong direction to go in. Uh, you know, if you're going to use the notwithstanding clause, you're talking about things that are substantial covering the whole province. This is a Premier who's engaged in a vendetta against Toronto City Council, uh, and he is throwing his weight around and ignoring the Constitution he shouldn't be doing that. He's wrong to do that. Uh, Shelley, uh, obviously you think he's, he's wrong to do that. Is, is there any merit to the argument that city council uh, would run better with fewer councillors? Well, that, that really at this point is, is moot. What, what the point is now is, is do we have enough clarity to conduct this election? The issue of whether or not council would run better is, is to my mind, uh, a question that be, should be put in the hands of the community. That's what the city of Toronto did as far back as, as winter 2014, when we embarked upon a broad community consultation. 25 councillors was one of the scenarios put before the community. And what the community decided in, in broad consultations, both online and at public meetings, was that they thought council could absorb a certain amount of economy of scale. We have grown a lot. If we had kept the same uh, quotient formula, we could have ended up with as many as 58 wards. What residents said was, your average has been 50,000 per ward. We think you could bump that up to 70 and, and still serve us well. And that is the, the basis on which the map of 47 wards was created in consultation with the community. And so the question of whether or not council would run better with 25 was really floated at that time. Everywhere from Richview Collegiate in the heart of Etobicoke out to Scarborough, Winston Churchill High School, and and 70,000 to serve for each councillor to serve was where the community arrived at. That is what council therefore adopted, and that is what a court upheld when that number was appealed. Okay, uh, I'm just uh, trying to follow here what's going on inside the chamber, and uh, the councillors are asking things like if there's no election held before their oath of office expires on midnight November 30th, but I, I thought the PC government was pretty clear that they are going ahead on October 27th, Peter. Sorry. Uh, October 22nd, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's what their position is, and I think the city of Toronto wants to have elections on the 22nd. I think the the step that Doug Ford could take that would make the biggest difference would be to withdraw this new bill, let the elections go forward. If he wants to change the structure, bring forward a bill, have proper public consultations, and then go from there. But, but Libby, I think this is a decision, as Shelley was saying, that should be made by the people of Toronto. 
I mean, it, there was a, a four-year process that went through. There were OMB hearings. There were court hearings. It got settled. And I think the people of Toronto have the right, have the brains to sort out the number of councillors they want and the kind of service that they want. Uh, this intervention by the Premier is wasting time, it's wasting money, and frankly, it's contrary to what we understand to be practice in a democracy. Uh- yeah, but it, it, I mean, it, it looks like uh, both the opposition and uh, the city are out of options in fighting it. Am I wrong? Um, no, we don't think we are. I mean, we, we would like more options than we have, and Shelley can speak to the city's options. Um, but we're going to be arguing that uh, the bill that came forward actually is in the one that came forward just the other day is in violation of the standing rules here in the legislature. You can't bring in a new bill. Uh, that's substantially the same as a previous one that in, in a given session. Uh, and that, that has been done. We're also arguing typically we can't debate things here that are before the courts, and this whole matter is before the courts. Uh, so we think that the, the Premier... Has... Before the courts in that the, the province is appealing... The, yeah. the judge's ruling? Yeah, no, typically here when we're asking about an issue, when there's an issue before the courts and we are d- discussing it, in the legislature, no minister will talk about it. They'll say it's before the courts. We can't say anything. Uh, we're arguing that this matter is before the courts, and the legislature should back off until the courts come to their decision. And and who will, uh, is it the legislature that will decide that, or uh, are you taking that to another court? Well, we aren't, we haven't engaged in the courts. We're focusing our efforts here in the legislature. Uh, we're raising it with the speaker uh, to have him rule on whether or not the Ford government is actually following the rules of the legislature itself. It, it doesn't seem to be interested in following the rules uh, in a bigger way. Courts have already found that. Um, is it violating the rules within the legislature itself? We look forward to the decision from the speaker. Okay, well, that's uh, that's kind of interesting. And, and just, you know, there are a lot of people who took a lot of issue with the judge's decision, though uh, the normal course when that happens is to appeal. That's correct. Uh, and that's what uh, the Ford government should do. If they disagree, they should appeal. This ability or this, this attempt to make an end run around is just outrageous. Outrageous. Uh, uh, Shelley, what do you think the city can do at this point? Again, it, it would appear to me anyway that they're out of options. Well, the uh, the mayor and council took advice in, in a private session today on what their options are in terms of taking action and, and being a, a party in the, the hearing that will be based on the province's appeal of Judge Bella Baba's decision. So... They now know, and, and I'm not in a position to, uh, to divulge that, but they now know uh, what actions the city solicitor can take in that uh, provincial appeal of Justice Bella Baba. But they also learned if uh, even after our election day there are candidates, and, and uh, we should expect that there will be, there will be candidates who will want to appeal Bill 31, the reintroduced bill today, and they gave instructions to the city solicitor in that regard. And so, you know, week after week and now month after month, possibly even year after year, what we're going to see demonstrated is the very, very essence of why you should not meddle with an election after it has begun. Because this 
lawsuit upon lawsuit, uh, issue upon issue, so that such that it's it's never really over, is exactly the outcome of meddling at the the most wrong time possible in an electoral process. Okay. Well, uh, our clerk assured us today that she is is hiring private consultants uh, to be there objectively and make sure that on October 22nd there will be a fair and legal election. But we here will be in court spending legal money for, for months to come. Yeah, and, and the Premier could end that right now. We could drop this thing like a hot potato, let Toronto run its election, respect democracy, and then get on with life. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the chances uh, of that happening are uh, in the minus bracket. Well, if you cared about the election, it wouldn't be in the minus, but you may well be right, Libby. I don't think that's how he's thinking. Um, okay, well, I'm just, uh, I just want to read something that is coming up. So it said that the city clerk confirms if a candidate hasn't registered yet under the 47 ward model, technically they shouldn't be campaigning or raising money until the new legislation passes. I mean, some of this stuff is really getting very technical and and inside baseball. So, um, Shelley, are you registered in the 25 ward election? I am one of the very fortunate uh, people who is registered under both scenarios, well, and so I am. I am sitting in my campaign office now, and I am. I'm sitting here under the law. I'm. I'm abiding by the law in that respect. Um, as this has gone from this week is 47, next week is 25, and back and forth and back and forth, I. I am uh, uh, legally able to be where I'm at. But, you know, some people question if that's even sensible. Should well, that be the case? <laughs> well, well, I would think that's sensible. Uh, Peter, I know that you have to go. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Uh, yeah, Libby, and that's that I think people in Toronto should make their voices heard. Uh, the, the Premier and the Conservatives should know that this is politically damaging for them, even even at the same time as it's damaging the people of Toronto. Uh, I was here when Kathleen Wynne, decided to privatize Hydro One, and that just shifted the whole game for her and undermined her. I think that Ford has done the same with this. I think it's undermined him. I think this will damage the Tories for a long time to come. Okay, Peter, thank you for that. Thanks, Libby. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to take a break now, and then we are going to take some of your calls. And I must say that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, our callers so far this week, uh, they like this idea of reducing council. So I'm I'm not so sure about that. I would have to say that the move is at least uh, resonating with the Ford base. Uh, But we're going to get some perspective, additional perspective uh, from a conservative. Shelley, if you can hang on. On with us. That'd be great. And sure. right now we are taking a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. And this just in, the city clerk is now saying, and I am reading a quote, we have hit a tipping point and both Toronto election scenarios are becoming virtually impossible for us 
to carry out. So, uh, you know, that might be another thing if the clerk says that they can't go ahead and run a proper election. Uh, that would be that would be quite the bombshell in uh, a scenario full of bombshells. Uh, we're going to bring in conservative strategist Jerry Nichols. Hi, Jerry. Hi, how are you? Fine. Uh, but uh, some people have been waiting very patiently, so uh, I would like to take a couple of calls before we get back to you and Shelley Carroll. Keith and Stouffville. Hi, Keith. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine, thanks. Oh, that's good. Um, I think the board is doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, like all this chaos these people are talking about, that's all the left-wing, they, that's, you know, that's the ones that are saying it's chaos or the news departments or whatever. They did the same thing with bloody, uh, what's his name, uh, Trump. You know, it's chaos in the White House. What the hell do they know whether it's chaos in the White House or not? There's well, no you chaos. just you just uh, heard me read a quote yeah, I know, from the, I know, from the city what, what, clerk what, saying... Who, who stalled this thing? You know, uh, and the judge, I'm sure he didn't vote for Doug Ford. I know that. You know, and I knew... When I first heard, and I guess I read something, you know, when this first started, and the judge was so... He said, oh, it's nice to see so many people here concerned about, you know, when the course of the, the courthouse was not full with any conservatives, I can tell you that. Well, you know. the, the, we, we don't know that. And, well, uh, just he didn't to, vote for Doug Ford, and I'll okay, bet my Keith, life on it. Keith, uh, one of the things that we've been hearing lately are a list of conservatives uh, and very eminent ones who are against this. So, you know, there are people on both sides. I don't know what's happened with him, but that's, you know, that's his scenario. I don't know if if that has anything. Well, yeah, it's just, you you know, people disagree on this and and to say that they're not legitimate. And Shelley. You know, if she's running again, does she have to give that hundred thousand dollars that she got back? I'd just be curious. Uh, we've 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 uh, dealt month. with that as well uh, beforehand here, um, and uh, I'll let Shelley respond if she wants to again. Okay, but well, we have dealt with that. Thanks, okay, lady. sure, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, just just to be clear, uh, counselors are allowed to collect that at any time. Uh, City of Toronto counselors elected to have that. Instead of giving ourselves a pay raise to make ourselves uh, uh, in parity and earn the same salary as counselors in Mississauga and York, we make less every year and then we have that, that to exit. We can take it at any time. What's important to note, because this has happened a number of times, if you, if you are re-elected in a later term, you cannot start collecting it again. You can only have it one time and then you're done. It's not about the money for me at this point. It's really about making sure that there isn't chaos and that the city is running well. That's my commitment going forward. Okay. Uh, thanks, Shelley. And, and that's uh, quite a bit off topic. And callers, we will get to you throughout the program. I want to bring Jerry Nichols in. And Jerry, you're a conservative strategist. So here's the thing that I still have di- difficulty with, is that how is this plan, which, you know, was not mentioned at all during the campaign, how's it suddenly become the most important thing? Well, I, I, I think it's become the most important thing because kind of the punditry and media classes and political classes are making it the most important thing. And I think it's, I think it's important in their world. I'm not sure it's so important for the regular rank and file voters, especially for voters who live outside of Toronto. I'm sure most people don't even know what the notwithstanding clause is. But in terms of politics, 
this is a move, I think, by Doug Ford to kind of plant the flag of populism, right? He is basically saying, look, I'm not going to let the special interest groups, I'm not going to let the elites, I'm not going to let, you know, unelected judges push me around. I'm going to stand up for the people. I'm going to stand up for what they elected me for. I'm going to push my agenda. And that's a message that's going to resonate with his base. Okay. Uh, Shelley Carroll, uh, we are going to let you go. We're trying to get uh, some news from inside the chamber. What would you like to leave us with today? Well, simply, I, I hope that people understand that, that uh, this isn't really about uh, uh, us uh, being upset over what might seem like a vengeful act. I'm not surprised that Doug wants to do this because this is something that his brother talked about for many years. That, that was uh, uh, Rob's preference. What, what is at issue today and what is at issue for, for so many people that I talk to at the door is the meddling with an election. That is the infringement on a charter of rights. If we end up at 25, we must make the city run. That is going to be our responsibility, make it run and run smoothly. What, it is, what is at issue today across this country is should any authority be able to march into the middle of an already running election and, and upend it? Okay, Shelly Carroll, thank you very much for being with us, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. You bet. Have a great day, Libby. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, Jerry, before we get back to you, let us take a call from uh, John in Toronto. Hi, John. Yeah, we need to cut the fat. We don't need the extra, extra. In fact, um, a lot of these people on in the snake's pit, otherwise known as city council, appear as if they have to run. And run and run and run. Not run for election, but stop wasting our taxes. They got too much fat pockets in there. In fact, uh, my counselor, so-called, is Mr. Josh Matlow. And I smoked the rat coming back in 2009 when I thought I was going to be illegally evicted. I saw him at the corner of Eglinton and Young, and I asked him on the southwest corner to be exact. Mr. Matlow, I said something very dangerous is going to happen to me. I don't want to be illegally evicted. He goes, well, they can't do that to you. I go, well, can you help me? He goes, well, I'm too busy right now. However... If I win the election, I'll help you. I said, Mr. Matlow, if you're too busy now, then how are you going to have time for me if you win the election? He, he shook his jowls and he spread his teeth like a weasel and he said, well, you have my word. He outstretched his hand. And I wrote this man 10, 20 times. I called his office. I even went in person and he told me, oh, okay. well, you want help? You come on into my John, office. I'll see you right now. I'll tell you something. John, I we're said, not. I'm on site. Can you come out and see me? He goes, oh, I don't have time. My girlfriend came there as well, John, and his assistant, I think his name was Amin, he dragged his other partner, who was new on the team, away J- from me, John, and said, we don't have time for this. Okay, John, th- this is a little off topic. I understand your frustration, and that is why we have elections, because if you think your counselor has not given you good service, uh, you can vote against him, but uh, it, it's kind of, uh, it's a little bit off topic, but thank you for your call. Uh, Jerry Nichols. Uh, so, what, I mean, you know, this is, uh, everything is getting kind of mixed up in this. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess, Libby, it depends on your perspective. If you're looking at it from sort of the status quo establishment types, and hey, what's happening looks like chaos. If you look at it from the perspective of Ford Nation and Ford Nation supporters, what you see is Doug Ford draining the swamp, or stopping the gravy train, or whatever you want to call it. So I think in terms of political strategy, what Ford is doing is actually quite brilliant. He's, he's got an issue here that probably cuts for him very well. 
That's to say it solidifies his base. You know, anybody who voted for Ford is probably really happy he's doing that. And there might be just enough people out there who are not part of his coalition will say, you know what, this guy's strong, he's showing good leadership, he's my kind of guy. So politically speaking, this makes a lot of sense what Ford is doing. Yeah, that's one of the theories that we heard was that part of the reason for doing this was to make him look bold and strong and Justin Trudeau look weak. Uh, we uh, have reached uh, Joe Mihevic, uh, city councillor, and Joe, uh, you have been inside the meeting, so maybe you can brief us on what's going on in there and what, if anything, has been decided. Well, nothing has been decided. We're at the beginning of, uh, of the public debate. We have gone in camera, which means in private, to get the solicitor uh, advice on, um, on, the, on the matter. So now we've come out of that and we've just started the, the debate on what we're going to say to the federal government, what we're going to say to the province, what our legal strategy is going to be. So all will be revealed uh, this afternoon. Um, I've put forward a motion to ask the federal government uh, to uh, to intervene. It has some powers. It has power through the Constitution of 1867. <laughs> exactly, and it hasn't been uh, used till then. Now, Joe, I uh, understand uh, that that you were told by the city solicitor that basically there is little or no legal recourse to fight this at this point. Is that right? That's right. If without the uh, federal, the chances of uh, winning, uh, given that they do have the sledgehammer of the notwithstanding clause, uh, gives us very little legal ability. Uh, we should use it, of course. And there's a motion on the floor uh, that I put forward to to use use whatever legal powers we can, working with other lawyers who are defending uh, other uh, candidates. Um, but we recognize, I recognize that that's a, a low probability. However, the federal piece of it. Uh, uh, as long as there's the will from the federal government and the prime minister to do it, is something that, uh, frankly, is uh, is trumping the Trump. <laughs> and and Jerry, Jerry Nichols, uh, the prime minister, has said he doesn't want to get involved in the Toronto election. Yeah, I'm sure this is a morass he doesn't want to get dragged into. He's already got enough controversies on his plate. I'm not sure he wants to go up there, you know, taking on Ford in this question. Besides which, um, you know, do two wrongs make a right? I mean, if you're, if you're saying that Ford is wrong to implement the notwithstanding clause, and then you're saying, oh, well, uh, the prime minister should use his powers to override what Ford did. Um, then you're getting into really murky, cynical political waters. And I'm not sure Trudeau really can swim in those waters. He's more of a happy, let's bring everybody together kind of guy. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Diane in Toronto. And Diane, you're saying that uh, because of 311, councillors don't play the same role that they have been. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, that's one of the things I was saying, yes. Uh, you know, I think Shel- it was Shelley that was saying, you know, 10 years ago we had 50,000 people in our ward, and now we have uh, 500,000 in this new setup. Uh, you know, the role of the councillor has changed with 311. 99% of the calls that people make go to 311, not to their councillor. They need it's a pothole or a garbage or this or whatever, whatever. So that part has changed. I'm going to let so, Joe. I'm going to let Joe respond to that. Uh, and I have to say, anytime I've tried to call three one one, nothing happens. Joe, uh, how do you I, I respond? I have had wonderful service from them Libby, throughout this whole thing. You know what? Uh, what I was really what, calling about, Diane. Yeah, Diane. About Diane. I'm going to let yeah. Joe respond because this is okay. what my notes say you were calling about. Okay. Joe. 
Please, please respond. Yeah, yeah. so 311 actually does help. It has reduced us a number of calls. Um, however, I, I, would, I, would say, I would say that, uh, that the ones that aren't dealt with with 311 do then come to our office. Yes. Um, I would say as well that while 311 has helped a lot with the uh, phone calls going down, the emails have gone way up and they also then uh, require require attention. However, at the end of the day, like we're the people do, who do everything from potholes to libraries to public health to transportation, police, emergency services, we have a very, very different function doing the nitty-gritty of daily life of residents in our, in, in our city. It is. It really is apples and oranges to compare our duties and responsibilities to those of the MPPs and MPs of the area. Okay, uh, and Jerry Nichols, here are a couple of things that I heard. Um, so one of them is this whole business of, of Doug Ford attacking the so-called activist judges, that he's been taking some advice from some American consultants, and that, you know, that basically this is something that is more relevant to their system than to our system. Well, I don't know if he's taking advice from an American consultant. A lot of Canadian politicians do. Yep. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, but to me, you, you really wouldn't need to get you know, outside expert opinion in this. This is kind of a pretty basic political battle, and it's pretty basic populism. You know, he's saying, look, I'm the elected premier, and here we have this left-wing, unelected judge denying the will of the people. That's wrong, so I'm going to make it right. And that's, that's, you know, that's populist politics 101. Um, and I think it, it applies just as much in Canada as it does in the United States. You know, judges here have been making a lot of decisions which uh, a lot of regular people scratch their heads and say, what are they doing? And that kind of leads to this whole, you know, activist judge thing. And conservatives especially are really sort of receptive to the argument that judges have too much power, that they're taking too much power away from elected representatives. So I think Ford, in terms of politics, is on real solid ground there. Uh, uh, Joe, go ahead. Ooh, that's, that's, uh, I would have a very different understanding. We have, for the last, uh, since 1867, had a balanced approach between the judiciary. We don't have elected judges. Uh, exactly. There's all, kind, all kinds of evidence in the United States that they tend to hang more people, execute more people, uh, follow the populist will, rather than the law. And we have a, we have a tradition of uh, peace, order, and good government. And well, we don't order, have capital punishment, for one thing. <laughs> Let's not bring that into this. No, well, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, if you want to go with democracy uh, trumping uh, the judiciary, the American system is not really one uh, to point to, where they make a lot of errors in law because they feel that the population is uh, with them and they're fighting an election around the corner. We have a tradition in our country that the judiciary is independent and that they have real, real power. And what this what this uh, decision to invoke the notwithstanding clause does is actually mocks that that independence uh, and to and to have the premier uh, say that he is uh, just out of line the judge like that is not done in our system we have a, we have a deferential respect for the independence autonomy of uh, of the judiciary and we want them to be thoughtful thoughtful interpreters and arbitrators of what the real of what the laws uh, state and uh, uh, just to make the point, Joe, that a lot of people thought that judge was out of line. But let me ask you this, Joe. I want to confirm that the clerk said that at this point it's becoming impossible to hold an election in either scenario on October 22nd. Is that what she said? 
Oh, what she's saying is is that she is uh, she's not sure that she can hold a fair and transparent election by October 22nd. She is seeking independent, which she has the authority to do, uh, legal advice on what her options are, and that's everything from the election itself to the advanced advanced polls that uh, up to this time were scheduled for October 10th to the 14th. So she has a legal mandate to hold a fair election. And because of the tight timelines, and you can imagine, they are just going absolutely crazy trying to figure out what system they're, they're, they're going with, given we're already, this is the third time changing. I, and, I, I, you know, I go back to that point. He has mucked in this democracy, and he has done nothing but leave, leave uh, people and processes uh, damaged in, in their wake. Uh, and the at the end of the day, the clerk is going to have to, given when she gets legal advice, decide she might have to change the date. She might have to change certainly the dates of the advance polls as well. And, and Jerry Nichols, what happens if the dates have to be changed? Uh, what, kind of a, what kind of a mess does this explode into, or is that perhaps a solution? Uh, the other day we were talking to a couple councillors, and they thought, well, that really might be the best way to go. Well, yeah, I can't predict what the city clerk's going to do. I can't predict what the, the bureaucracy's going to do. But the end the, at the end of the day, there will be an election. And at the end of the day, it looks like Doug Ford has won this. Um, that might make a lot of people unhappy, but you know what? There's a new sheriff in town, and he's going by a new set of rules, and other politicians around the country are going to have to start paying notice and, and, and seeing uh, what Doug Ford is doing and how is that going to change politics in this country, because it looks like it's going to start changing, like it or not. Okay, everybody, hang on. We've got to take another break. We're going to take more of your calls. We'll have more from Jerry Nichols and Joe Mehevic, and we'll also be talking to a councillor who has decided, because of all of this, not to run again. So we'll be right back with all that. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, at least one sitting councillor has decided not to run again in the midst of all of this, and that is Sarah Doucette. She is the councillor for Parkdale High Park. And uh, Sarah, thanks so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Sorry I was a bit late. Uh, were you in city council? Uh, you were in and That was your last city council meeting, correct? On. Um. Yeah, it hasn't quite sunk in yet. It might not be. You never know. There may be another special council meeting called between now and the end of November. You don't know. So um, are you feeling a little sad with all of this or what? Oh, extremely sad. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, I was running a campaign, 47 wards, looking forward to expanding the ward by about 9,000 residents. Really excited. This is a job I've done for eight years, and I love it. But when this change came, I had to really reassess what the job at the end would be. And is that the job I originally ran for? And is it a job I want to actually do? And what about it made you uh, say no? I am a grassroots person before I ran for council. And the reason I ran for council was to have City Hall behind my community, making it a better place for everyone to live, to give our residents good representation, to be accessible to my residents when they have an issue, to be able to bring it to a committee, to be able to do motions, to speak on behalf of my residents. 
but to also be involved in the community, attend BIA, resident meetings. I mean, I'm out already every night of the week doing community meetings. As a 25-ward councillor, I, I would have had over 100, I think 113,000 residents. That does not allow and will not allow councillors to do the grassroots. They will be so tied down with committee meetings and doing the very important city issues, but it will take away from the grassroots. And I felt that that wasn't something at this stage I was looking, wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry, uh, I've heard that from other people. Uh, is that an argument that could harm the Ford government, especially when you think that the Fords really made their name on exactly that type of customer service? So this is the thing, uh, I mean... Sorry, sorry I was asking me? Jerry about that. You yes. On, you know, intellectual point and counterpoint, it's now become a really emotional issue. And because it's such an emotional, by the way, which most political issues tend to be emotional, um, and what that means in this case is that if you like Ford, you like him even more now because he's done this, and you're going to rally around him. And if you don't like Ford, you like him even less now. And this is going to motivate the left, and this is going to motivate opposition to him. So it's, it's basically creating kind of a polarized political environment. Now, in the middle of that are all the people who you know, don't really care about this issue. And I would suspect that's probably the, the largest group of people in the province. Let's forget this, is a, uh, forget this is a Toronto issue. I think for most people around the province, it's like, oh, who cares? So, yeah, I think uh, this is going to increase the political heat. And what that is going to mean in the, in the months and years ahead, who knows? Well, yeah, if I could intervene here, uh, Libby, um, I've, of course, been uh, knocking on doors, talking to all kinds of folks, and I'm in the Midtown area, and I recognize that the Midtown area doesn't represent all of the city and certainly not all of the province. But I can tell you people are not talking about transit. They're not talking about housing. They're not talking about all kinds of service issues. All they want to talk about, and I'll tell you, their anger is deep, and it's the anger is coming from people across the political spectrum uh, in the Midtown area. So I, I do think, and um, I understand that there have been some uh, polls out there as well, uh, maybe not made public yet, that he is losing support rapidly for the manner in which he has imposed this on the city of Toronto. He could have done this gracefully uh, after the election for 2022 and allow the city bureaucracy and the city staff and city council actually to do this in a measured kind of way. But putting this forward like two months before an election, that's, that, that was just disastrous. And I think the people, the people who understand City Hall, the people in the know as to how government actually functions here are are as mad as hell, certainly in the Midtown area. Um, well, um, and uh, I would uh, also take issue with Jerry, just from what I've seen this week, uh, people from all over the province seem to have a, an opinion, though I, I'd have to agree with Jerry that I think it's if you like Doug Ford, you like him more now, and if you didn't like him, you like him uh, less. Uh, Sarah, is is part of your motivation just to get away from all this really um, polarized <laughs> negativity and strife? Well, no, because if you live in the city of Toronto, you're never going to be able to get away from this. Um, as I say, the end game, the end job for 25 is not something I want to do. Um, I'm not going anywhere. Just because I'm not a city councillor, it doesn't mean I can't 
be involved. Um, I was involved before I became a city councillor. Yes, I won't have a title of councillor, but I know how a city works now. I know how to get things done. And whoever does become the, my councillor, believe me, I will be letting them know my opinion. Um, so it, we're all going to be suffering under Doug's regime, whatever you want to call it, for the next three and a bit years. So you can't get away from it. Well, Having I... been a politician and you live it, you love it, you, you, it's day in and day out. We don't shut our doors at five o'clock and go home. We do community. Since cell phones came in and Twitter, when there's an ice storm, a power failure at night, my phone rings off a hook. I am there 24-7. And when you've done, as Joe will tell you, when you've done 24-7 for X number of years, you can't just step away, and I won't just step away. There's so much I've already started with my residents, so many items, and I want to make sure that those items continue. The anti-abortion signs, that's a big one which we're looking at for the city to protect our youth from being um, exposed to these graphic images. There's so much still to do. So just because I'm not a counselor, it doesn't mean I'll be stepping away from trying to make us a better city. Okay, I'd like to take a call from a first-time caller. Is it Michael? Yes, uh, Libby, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Go ahead. Um, my comment is uh, that the council and mayor have to take on part of the responsibility for bringing this crisis on. Uh, those who reject the premier's actions say that it's undemocratic and that the Toronto public should have had their voice heard and uh, my concern is that uh, the mayor has now suggested that a referendum should be held as one of the options he said that uh, ages ago uh, unless yeah. he said it a few minutes ago again uh, during the past 18 months when the subject was in, was uh, discussed about increasing council uh, from 44 to 47 seats there was obviously a, a big difference of opinion amongst experts on the subject it was obviously a, a very controversial subject at that time, but I didn't see council going to the public with a referendum before deciding to increase the number of uh, council seats. And uh, they there were uh, there, there were there were very extensive consultations on that and a court case. Right, but there was no referendum. <laughs> right, and, and my 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 uh, my question is why why now discuss the referendum now when their backs are put into the corner? They didn't uh, that they didn't discuss the possibility of a referendum before. Right, but they and, did consult, and there there wasn't uh, any official consultation on this. That's the answer to that. But I'm uh, I'm gathering from what you say that that you are in favor of this move, move by the Ford government. I'm I'm in, I'm in agreement that the number of council seats should be uh, decreased. I'm just a little concerned about the manner they went about doing it. I do agree with some of the people that um, that the manner of how they went about do, how the premier went about doing it wasn't necessarily the best way of doing it. Yeah. Okay, uh, Michael in Etobicoke. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Okay, um, it's starting to get close, so let's try uh, to wrap things up. Jerry Nichols, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I'd like to put this in a little bit of perspective, this whole issue. I bet you if you took a poll in Ontario and you just asked them, open question, what's the most important issue facing you today? I would say the top issue would be economy, taxes, uh, employment, all those kinds of things. Very few people would say the number one issue is the notwithstanding clause. 
Um, this is an issue which pundits like to talk about and the media likes to talk about and journalists like to talk about. I'm not sure regular people are all that upset about it. Okay, well, my, my screen is full of regular people who, are, who would like to talk about but it, but I, I take your point. That's not a random here's sample. If, if that is the case, and I do believe that people want to get on to talking about housing, about the kind of city that we want to build, transit and so on, why would the Premier spend so much capital, political capital, in a wasteful way to take on his former colleagues at City Hall? That really is the question, is why did he, why did he go out of his way to try to impose this on a city, distract the whole city from the debates that we need to have for, frankly, at the end of the day, what seems to be nothing more than a personal vendetta. Mm-hmm. Well, s- some people some people are characterizing it uh, that way. And uh, Sarah Doucette, uh, I'm going to give uh, you the last word. Oh, wow. So, I, as I say, being a city councillor for eight years, my residents appreciate that when something goes on in our ward or across our city, I, as a councillor, am there. I'm accessible. When we have a development coming in, we work through the process together. I am at meetings. We do many a meeting. We, if there's something to do with traffic, uh, we've done a lot of um, infrastructure around our schools recently with Vision Zero. The councillor is there at those meetings representing their residents. What I'm finding is count- residents who have not contacted a councillor's office, they don't care. They say 25 is fine, but those residents who have contacted our office and have received the service they expect, they want to keep a counselor who they can have access to. That is what we will be losing. It is a catastrophe, and I'm so surprised because Rob Ford was one of the best people going out, working in the communities. He came into my community quite frequently. We met together. We met residents. That's what he loved. So why is his brother doing his vindictive stuff and actually removing that efficient representation from our city? Okay. Uh, Sarah Doucette, uh, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Also, uh, Jerry Nichols and Joe Mehevic and callers, again, if we couldn't get to you, Free For All Friday is coming up tomorrow and we will get to you then uh, because the one thing I do disagree with, I think a lot of people want to talk about this. Uh, Thanks again to all of you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.